The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Brett King. Nice to have you along for episode 46 of The Boys of Tech for Monday the 7th of December 2009. My name is Edwin Herman. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Brett King. Welcome. Hello. Brett, we've put a rocket into space. We have. Go New Zealand. Yeah. Just a mini thing though, isn't it? It is. Apparently uh, they, they couldn't locate the nose cone. I think something to do with the locator system couldn't find it. But some fishermen... Apparently found it floating around in the ocean and reported it. Excellent. So all I need to do now is just confirm it that it really made it to space by reading the, the logs, but mm-hmm. they believe it did. So does that mean New Zealand's now in the space race? <laughs> yes, indeed. Look out, rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. That's good, though. I like it. So Kiwi's in orbit. <laughs> it's a nice fuzzy feeling. <laughs> well, actually, speaking it's a of, cool feeling. <laughs> speaking of space and you know the upper atmosphere and stratosphere and so on, just my segue into the story about DARPA's latest challenge: locating ten weather balloons. Have you seen that story? I'm sure you I, have. I have indeed. Another interesting. <laughs> it's another example of the people at DARPA going, "Hey, you know what would be cool?" Because. <laughs> Though the funniest part of that story was because it's all about testing social networking because, you know, the award goes to the first person who names the location of all 10 of the balloons, but the balloons are being launched all around the continental United States. So no one person is actually going to be able to physically see and go to each of those 10 red balloons. No, so they're going to have to work with others, aren't they? Yeah, so work with others using social networking. Um, and so the different social, um, social networking sites, so like, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all of those sorts of things, people getting together in that. And so, yeah, I thought, well, make a long story short, <laughs> I thought the most interesting thing was the fact that the, the DARPA scientists had no idea what they were going to do with the data. They just thought it would be, you know, a cool thing to, a cool thing to do record. what they do. <laughs> yeah. It's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so they're obviously bored one day, decided, right, what can we do that's really cool, and let's throw some money at it, and then when it's yeah, over, we got, we'll just uh, think about what to do with the data. Precisely. we got Great. 40 grand left in the budget. What are we going to do with it? <laughs> yeah. How about this? <laughs> so 40,000 US dollars for the person or team that names all 10 locations of these weather balloons. Not, yep. a, bad, uh, not a bad payout. That's four grand per, per, for per balloon. for doing absolutely nothing except hanging around on a Facebook group. Yeah, well, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this, you know, what if, you, if you'd spotted one of these balloons and you knew where it was, what would you, what would you do? Would you sell this information or? That's the thing, isn't it? It's opening up a humongous smorgasbord pot to all of the scam artists out there who join these different groups that are, will be, you know, probably already started to be created waiting for this and get in there to you know, start negotiating prices of, well, if I see it, I will pass on the information for a share of the prize, or I will pass this information on to you for a hundred bucks. And 
weaseling their way into it, doing the whole social networking part to at the beginning, and then selling fake information. So <laughs> it's a it's a um, an, an open season for scam artists, I think. I guess what you could do is send someone that you know on your network that's close by to the the alleged site and see whether it's there. And mm-hmm. if and only if you can spot it or that your you know your agent spots it, then you pay that that person the money. But of course, yeah, but why would you? Because w- you'll have gotten your agent to do it for you. You got a friend to go check. Oh yeah, okay, you were well, right. It was there, but I'm not going to pay you now because well, I know the it thing. was there. Yeah, I was just going to say the, the flip side <laughs> so is of course is that the person is not going to part with their information until they've got the money. So yeah, yeah. so uh, I think there's, this- there's potential here for for people being ripped off, trying to do sneaky things, you know, in their endeavours to get this forty grand. But yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of this. It'll do you know, be do you know what would be more fun? Test of the of the social dynamics of people on these different networks. Do you know what would be more fun? Mm-hmm. To build decoys, look alike, yeah. <laughs> and launch them all over the states. That's the other thing. People will probably <laughs> blow up really big red balloons and send them up at yeah. random places too. <laughs> oh man! Oh, it, it's oh, you know it's open season for hilarity. This is now why are they doing this? It's part of their 40th anniversary of the internet, isn't it? That's part of what, what DAR, why DARP is doing this. Mm, it is indeed. So, yeah, I, you know, not being in the States, we can't really, well, we, we can take part, but it's, uh, it's not going to be anywhere near as interesting. No. So, it, what I'm trying to say is, I wish I could take part, actively take part. <laughs> it would be cool. Yeah. It would be cool. Definitely. Wow. Now, keeping with the same theme, did you see that in Switzerland they've produced this solar-powered plane? Um, yeah. yeah uh, it's, uh, another solar-powered plane. Um, yeah, and it's done a short hop of only 350 metres uh, at an altitude of one metre. So it's basically mm-hmm. just going down the runway. Yeah, but, basically uh, this going, is, and it wasn't running on solar power. No, it wasn't running on – you're right. It wasn't running on solar power. It was running on the batteries that also – uh, within this plane but uh, it's a first little baby step in what's eventually going to be a circumnavigation of the globe mm. so the first going to do the fit well they've done this successfully and it was exciting because although it's just a, a short hop it's the first time the plane has actually flown for real before that it was all with you know wind tunnels and things like that yeah and and the simulator and oh, yeah you know one of the cool things of this was good for the engineers that the plane actually flew how it was designed to fly it yeah. flew as it did in the simulators that they had for it so the the engineers have done their job <laughs> they've done good work there they, they have and let's just hope it, it continues because the the idea of this plane um, as you probably know Brett is it's supposed to be able to fly, fly both day and night so mm-hmm. during the day there's enough solar power to power the craft and charge batteries and then during the night it runs off the batteries so the, the idea is that it should be able to do one complete circumnavigation of the globe without yep. ever needing to well refuel as such or, mm. you know, or land yeah well this story reminds me of a conversation we were having last week perhaps when we were talking about aircraft solar powered aircraft was it last yeah, week? Yeah, I think it was one of the last two episodes and how yeah. they're, they're, they're so big and, and you can't <laughs> um, this is another case in point. It may it weighs very little, only you know, just over one and a half tons. This thing weighs basically a big However, car. It's got fun. Basically yeah, a big a, car. A, the weight of a big car. Yeah, weight of a, a moderately big car. Yeah, 
However, it's got a wingspan as wide as a Boeing 747's wingspan. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It, it is a huge, very light aircraft. But it needs it, doesn't it, for the solar, the solar <laughs> it panels? Needs and that's it what we were saying. Because but- of that surface area for not, you know, the longer your, the bigger your wings are, the more lift you've got. So, and, you know, a larger surface area for 12,000 solar cells. <laughs> that's got to be one expensive plane. It probably costs more than a 747. Possibly. <laughs> I made that Possibly. up, but it uh, wouldn't surprise me. With all of those solar cells, yeah. Well, depending, of course, what type of solar cells they are. I mean, there are some cheaper solar cells, but I'd say they probably went for the more expensive, more efficient ones. Uh, I guess so. so. I'm going to be following this story because it's it's kind of exciting. It's the first time we've really got into a – this is a manned plane. A pilot, there's a pilot in this plane. Yeah, so it's it's not a world's first solar-powered airplane because that was a DARPA project back in 1974. And also, you know, they've also been pipped at the post for first human-carrying solar-powered airplane. But this is by far the biggest one <laughs> with the most audacious projects plan to do a circumnavigation. They're definitely on the right track to that. I think the transatlantic flight they're planning is 2012 and later that year, the round the world trip. So small steps at the moment, but definitely on the right track. So good luck to them. Yes, good luck to them indeed. Now onto something completely different. Brett, have you seen the story about the ransomware that's been blocking people from internet access? Ah, you mean the Russian one that was packaged in the guise of a download manager? Yes. What does it do? It blocks their internet completely. It blocks their internet and gives them a nice message which pops up in the middle of their screen with a countdown on it in Russian, which translates to basically, we've blocked your internet access because you violated the license agreement of the download manager you just downloaded. And you must activate your copy to allow, you know, to end the restriction. And to do that, you must send a text message to this to this number and you will get an activation message back which you pop into this little box and suddenly you get your internet back it's really interesting it's pretty (laughs) sneaky it is sneaky it's not the first of its kind ransomware has been around for a little while but yeah but have we seen ones with sms ways no this is the the first one that i've seen which actually yeah depends on an sms being sent and you would think that being based on a an SMS number, a cell number, it would be easier to track down who did it and catch them. Well, you'd think so because someone had to apply to get that number. And yeah, and, and to get the number, you unless know, they've ca- whatever cash is generated from the SMSs which are being sent. Unless they've hacked all that side of things. True, true. Uh, it would be a bit that of a long be, shot, That would be going quite old school, really. That's where, you know, hacking started is, is hacking the communication networks. Yeah, phone freaking. Yeah. <laughs> so a combination of new school and old school rolled into one in, in <laughs> by by the people over in Russia. It's pretty nasty. Apparently, computer associates, I think, are going to try to come up with a an unlock code generator for them. For sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for we it. see key generators all the time, usually on the other side. They're yeah, for cracking software. By, <laughs> yeah, they're produced by the the not so legitimate places to crack legitimate software. Now we have a key generator being produced by a legitimate entity to crack an illegal <laughs> piece of software. Nice one. <laughs> it's. I find that very amusing. 
Now, by the way, have you seen that Star has ceased selling Mac clones now? You can't get them from their website anymore. They're all out of stock, apparently. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they didn't actually remove them from their website. They yeah, just yeah. put them to all being out of stock. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Maybe that's what they could, you know, the quickest thing they could do. I guess so. It's, it Maybe. is kind of weird because I would have expected them, yeah. as you said, to be actually completely removed, no trace of them, rather than suddenly out of stock. But bizarre stuff. So anyway, that was an expected mm. move though, wasn't it? They Once they settled with Apple. Yeah, well, it's a partial settlement. It's not a complete settlement. And, you know, the, the fine print of it is they, they've agreed to pay a certain amount of money in settlement for copyright infringement, but, you know, with a whole heap of Apple dropping other claims against them. But... Sistar uh, so don't actually have to pay until everything's all of the court stuff is over with. Yeah, so they're still going to appeal, aren't they, to drag this thing out? Yeah, and I guess in the hope that they might get the ruling in their favour, but they're certainly dragging it out because I think the amount that we're talking about is two, just over two and a half million US dollars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, is it, they they're appealing, but I I can't see this going anywhere to be honest. No, no. They'll have to boost their Windows and Linux sales to make up the difference. Mm. But uh, they, they were just—they they were working off borrowed time, really, to be honest. They were. They were indeed. Now, keeping with Apple, there's an interesting story out of Melbourne. There's a trademark dispute between Apple and some other computer manufacturer over the name MacPro. Mm. There's a company called MacPro in Melbourne. They've been operating since I think 1983. I think it was. Yep. Before the Mac. Before the Mac, well, before but, Mac Pros, before Apple ever used Macintosh and Pro together. Well, even before Macs. I mean, the Mac came out in 1984. Oh, true. So it's even before Indeed. the Mac, full stop. Yes. And, but Apple are not happy that they're, they're called Mac Pro because, of course, you know, the, the Mac Pro is, is a product that Apple sells. Yeah. And they are basically taking them to court. They have. Well, they've already taken him to court. And... Hooray for Intellectual Property Australia actually sticking up for for a, a smaller guy for once. IP Australia dismissed the case. They ruled in favour of Mac Pro Computers, the Melbourne company, because they've been using Mac Pro as their trademark for significantly longer than Mac Pro has existed as an Apple trademark in Australia. And so IP Australia ruled in favour of the the Melbourne computer company. Which is what you'd expect, isn't it? That's the Which is exactly what you would expect. Somebody has prior art. Somebody has been using it for significantly longer than somebody else has been using the name in a trademark sense. Then it should be ruled in their favour. So is this However, a case of the big guy stomping on the little guy? Very much so. Very much so. I do not know what Apple's plan is for Australia other than to be like throwing away their goodwill. <laughs> Well, yeah, you, they kind of had that good guy sort of feel about them. But now it's, like you say, this is kind of all going out the window. They're, they're behaving just the way like Microsoft and others have, have been doing for some time. Yeah, they're, they're behaving like the bully instead of the, the nice, fuzzy, consumer-friendly face that they used to have. Yeah, I'm not really sure where Apple's coming from with this because it's going to get very interesting if, if it's ruled in favour of Mac Pro computers and and, and against Apple, because what's going to happen is that Apple are either going to have to change the name of their Mac Pros in Australia or settle with this company. But they've already tried that, haven't they? The little yeah. company's tried settling with Apple, and Apple just basically ignored, ignored them. them. Yeah. 
So it's going to get really interesting, like I say, because... It is going to get interesting. And I'm hoping that Australian federal courts uphold IP Australia's decision that the Australian company had prior art to use it, has, you know, has been using it for a number of years before Mac Pros existed. Apple even thought of those two words together. And so Mac Pro computers should get to use it. I think it, it, it very much mirrors the situation of from quite a number of decades decades ago when Burger King was reaching out to other countries. Anybody in America and Europe and New Zealand knows the Burger King burger franchise, but you will never find a Burger King burger in Australia because Australia already had a franchise called Burger King. And when Burger King went over there, there was a big squabble. IP stood up for the Australian company who had prior rights to it. And so in Australia, if you want a Burger King, you go to Hungry Jack's. Oh, is it called Hungry Jack's? Yeah, Hungry Jack's is Burger King. Oh, they've got the same logo as well. Same logo, everything, except in Australia, they are called Hungry Jack's because there was already a place called Burger King in Australia. So I am hoping that the Australian Federal Court will, will see that Burger King case as setting that precedence and will uphold IP Australia's ruling that Mac Pro Computers gets to keep their name. Well, and even regardless Apple of just the... Just change the name of their, with their product or come to an agreement with Mac Pro Computers. Well, even regardless of the, the previous Burger King case, it's, uh, I would have thought the law would be fairly clear, you know, that if you're using a trademark and someone comes along later and wants to use it, that they're out unless you say so. Yeah. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what Apple's thinking because, you know, the, there's this story. And last week we talked, uh, I think, we, in fact, we had Matt Peterson on from the Little App Factory where Apple wanted them to change the name of their applications. And that this is a, also in Australia. I don't know what they're doing to Australia, but they're not making themselves very popular. That's for sure. Yeah, they are not making themselves very popular over there. Okay, last story for the week. I don't know what Google's thinking, but they've changed their home page. They've basically stripped it right down to just the logo, the search bar, and the, the buttons. And only when you move your mouse do you get all the links around the side and underneath. I didn't get it. Neither do I. <laughs> it's weird. You know, it's, it's, I, I, yeah. Other than a, a neat little fade effect. I don't see the point of it because yeah, it's not really changing their homepage because most people who go to the Google homepage, they'll have clicked whatever their link is to go to Google and they'll have moved their mouse before, as the page is loading. So they'll probably barely even notice. I know. I don't really... As soon as it loads, there's nothing else. I don't, it's not like it refades away once you stop moving the mouse. No. It stays there once you've moved the mouse. And most people will be moving the mouse right away anyway, so they won't even notice. I know. So I don't get it. I don't either. I mean, okay, it's kind of cool and funky and looks sort of, I don't know, catches your eye in a way, but why? I don't, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm baffled. I, I'm completely baffled as well. Maybe I'll listen to someone. know how much um, effort Google, you know, effort and time and thought Google puts into anything they do with their front page. It's probably the most visited front page on the internet. I think they are number one, yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe we should ask them. Well, maybe we should it, ask them why it is, what it is, why have they done that? Well, tell you what, Other than maybe, <laughs> to put themselves back in the news. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe our listeners might have some ideas and they can drop us some comments on our website at boysoftech.com if you've got any ideas on why Google might be doing this, or maybe you know, uh, leave a comment on our website, boysoftech.com. 
Well, that's us. Well, yeah. Well, on that note, I think that's pretty much the show. Time to wrap it up. Brett, thank you very much for joining me once again. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. Um, oh, as a side thing, did you notice Bing go down? Bing was gone for like 45 minutes on, um, you know, three days ago. Oh, really? I didn't notice, but I then mean, I don't use it. What days ago? On the third. What, are you, what concerns me more is what are you doing using Bing? <laughs> I saw it. It was linked off of a Google Oh, I pack. see. Yeah, no, I didn't know about that. Microsoft will have to, to watch its game. Yeah, they will. 45 minutes worth of down search engine. It's not a good look. Actually, I saw a story not long ago, just a few days ago, in fact, that their traffic has been dropping significantly. So I'm not sure whether this is the beginning of the end or whether it's just a minor blip, but we'll see. Are they, they'll still drive traffic, though, making it the default page, though. That's the thing. They'll always get that. You know, you yep. put IE on your computer and you don't change it because that's what mum and dads do. And mm-hmm. they'll always just be using Bing. Yeah. So I guess I'll never really lose out completely. Yeah, they won't lose out completely, but, but yeah, as you no, said, I, there's, been a, there's been a slight dip. Yeah, but uh, as you say, no, I didn't, I didn't notice it go down. That's, that's not a good look. All right, shall we wrap up the show? Uh, yes, indeed. Unless you've got anything else? No, I think that's pretty much it. Brett, thank you once again for co-hosting the show with me. Not a problem. And thank you to everyone out there listening on the internet. We'll see you all again next week for episode 47. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.